Borak Dung Earthwits. My name is Conrad, alongside my friend Fox, and this is the 173rd episode of Space Spinner 2000, a podcast for two Americans try to make sense of the UK's own galaxy's greatest comic, 2000 AD, one month of progs at a time. This episode, we're covering 2000 AD for November 1987. Progs 547 to 550. This time, time, Bad Company gets some new members. Zenith is burning bright. Johnny Alpha is getting rammy. The two Torquemadas meet. And Chopper is headed south of the border. Oh, man. Uh, It's it's (laughs) just such a fucking action pill. uh, Pilled, jeez. Filled, uh, uh, like, month. I yeah. love this month, and I love everything inside of it. Uh, nearly, it's like if you t- if you took the concept of action and then you like dried it out and ground it up and put it in pills and then sold those <laughs> pills at your local's farmers market because people are weird. Oh like my a, god, like thrill a, pills, a, like a placenta of action. Anyway, oh oh no, <laughs> yeah, it's bad. Listen, you don't want to go to these uh, these Los Angeles farmers markets, Fox. They get weird. Oh god, oh god. <laughs> If you read, if you want to read along with us, you'll find the comics we're covering today in Judge Dread: The Complete Case Files Eleven, Strontium Dog SCHC Files Four, Zenith Phase One, Nemesis the Warlock Book Two, the and the uh, Judge Dread Magazine Three Six Four. So, <laughs> sorry, I know that there's usually a comment of me saying like, "Oh my God, it's so many," but I mean, it's just no, so many. It's a lot. Yeah, and speaking of questionable ways to make a living, Fox, it's. <sighs> Thrill one, strontium dog. It's a living. Oh no! Um, yes, yeah, we're, we're we're continuing this story. The Rammy script robot Alan Grant and John Wagner's Alan Grant art robot Carlos Escara letting robot Gordon Robson is Kid Robson. Fox oh. on the planet Marabellus. Johnny Alpha and Midface McNulty are on trial, and now Johnny Alpha is taking the stand. Law and Order SD. <laughs> dun dun. Oh. The bounty hunters plan to take down a whole bunch of fugitives hiding in a non-extradition zone of the planet by holding a giant free-for-all fight, a Rammy, on the big carnival day of the planet. I like that there's just a specific zone for non-extradition, but leaving the non-extradition zone is like bad news. It's not a non-extradition planet, which I just want to point out is a weird problem. Well, I feel like they got to have law and order on the planet itself. Like, you can't really have, like, cops and order if the whole place sort of is lawless and non-extradition based, I guess. I mean, or I don't know. You know, I don't know how these planets work, man. They could, you know, they do a lot of stuff. Um, That's fair. <laughs> yeah. The, the prosecutor once again calls Johnny and Middenface murderers, and Middenface <laughs> objects, saying that the prosecutor's cruising for a bruising, which I thought was pretty, like, I don't know. I don't know when that term came around, but I thought that was pretty funny in 1987, I, I guess. Mean, that's, my dad said it, so, geez, I'm glad that <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's across the ocean also. Listen, tra- across the ocean and time, buddy. Mm. Um, anyway. The Strons decided to uh, to blend in by hiring an old ambulance to learn to use as a lockup. They plan Which... on catching most of the. Fo- oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just like devious, devious. Yeah, what would be a vehicle of mercy is now a vehicle of arresting bad dudes. It's pretty dope. Yeah. Um. So they plan on catching most people as they enter the arena. Their first target is Matt Brinks, a bullion heister, possibly named after the uh, the armored car service. Um, oh. And a quick headbutt gets him knocked out and put <laughs> to sleep aboard the ambulance. 200,000 credits right away. 
I mean, it's. I hope they have a lot of those things in there, as it feels like they need to. Yeah, got to be racking them up, just piling them on top of each other, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess it doesn't matter when you're passed out. Yeah. At the fairgrounds, they get rid of some lady looking to get a pot that's stuck off of her kid's head. Nope. <laughs> they just get rid of her. Try soup. And then they spot <laughs> another target, Big Bad Prue. Oh, and she is big and bad. Yeah, they grab her, says she has a fatal disease, so they separate her from her husband and take her to the ambulance. But aboard there, she uh, recognizes Brinks, and a fight breaks out inside the vehicle. <sighs> I feel like, I mean, to your earlier point, Fox, is this uh, this Medwagon does feel kind of tardisy. Like, there is a <laughs> lot of, like, space for these guys to have a knockdown drag-out fight, like, in the back, in, in, in the back area of this ambulance. I'm just saying that it's got enough space for this woman to like really wreak havoc and a tight space like this is not good for her or for Johnny realistically. No. So the, but but I mean, the way yeah, this I mean, fight pans out is just like leaps and smashes. Yeah, like they got a fair amount of space. So Johnny tries to sock Prue in the gut, but that is oh, not yeah. happening. No, nah, that's rock hard. She yeah. does not miss a stomach day. She uppercuts him and Johnny flips her into a bulkhead and finally gets a sleeping mask on her. Yikes, that was close. I mean, it was an intense <laughs> fight. It's pretty good. Plus, through, through this whole time, the ambulance has been like rocking around and stuff, <laughs> like as her husband stands outside. And so I mean, that, she, I just, there would be different questions I'd be asking than, uh, you know, everything's yeah. all right, bro. Is she okay? Yeah. <laughs> Johnny comes out. The operation was a success, but she needs to rest for a few hours. So you, uh -huh. can, you just go enjoy the fight. This uh, really, I feel like, you know, I wouldn't feel like she was attacked at this point. So, yeah, she just needs some sleep or whatever. It's yeah. just this. I, <laughs> I don't I mean, you can cut this part out. This feels like a cucking, you know. Whoa. That's I'd like <laughs> a little not, bit. Not to not to not to invoke the stupidity of Internet phrases, but, you know. I mean, her husband is very tiny. It seems like you know, <laughs> whatever. Who's to say? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to flip a coin as to whether to leave the, this in or not, Fox. Just so you know. Um, but we won't, oh, and you won't know that till September. Oh Ooh. God, I feel, I feel like <laughs> it's going to be a surprise. I forgot. Indeed. Uh, meanwhile, oh, oh, sorry. In the present, the prosecutors call the prosecutor calls all this entrapment. Meanwhile, uh -huh. in the story. The Strauss recognize another fugitive, Vince Scully and his gang. Vince Scully is the uh, was like the longtime LA Dodgers announcer, I believe. Oh, um, okay. But so they're looking. Um, they're all looking real tough. So these dogs have to think smart. Johnny hits one of the but like as the bodyguards separate themselves out to like buy buy popcorn and go to the bathroom. <laughs> Johnny hits one of the guards with a quick blow to the head as Middenface heads the toilets to do some dirty work. Which oh man, this whole this whole thing it's like oh <laughs> he's got yeah no we're just he's got no no boundaries. Mittenface McDonald doesn't care, man. He's from like a futuristic, like cyber Scotland. He doesn't have your <laughs> social mores, you know. That's fair. Um, the contestants for the Rammy are getting ready as Scully sends his goons to check on the ones that Mittenface and Johnny have already taken down. Meanwhile, mm. in the bathroom, Mittenface is straight up crawling around on the Ugh. floor, checking under the stalls for pay dirt. Uh, then, when he sees the guy he's looking for, he climbs over the top of the partition and just, like, Mario stomps yeah. him with a common Goomba. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, <laughs> but first, smash the smash the competition 100 points. Yep. Um, 
The bodies are piled up in the promoter's office, and the dog quickly catch the other goons and cosh them with futuristic dildos as well. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, they could be blackjacks or something. Uh, yeah, but they look a little wiggly, you know? I calls them as I see them, Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> With just Scully left, the dogs try to grab him the easy way, announcing the winner of a contest by seat number. But first, they accidentally say the number, the seat number of Scully's mall, but quickly correct themselves, which would have been a very funny, like, I don't know, thing in the stadium. Like, oh, sorry, it's seat 0115 <laughs> instead. Oh. <laughs> Scully goes to collect his prize, but the prosecutor says that instead he'll soon be brutally murdered. Again, I I mean, the jurisdiction here means that it's not, but that's fine. I mean, like, I as, someone who, as someone who knows fake amounts of law, like, I've got some problems with how this prosecutor's framing things, Fox, you know? Because, yeah. like, a lot of the times when he talks about entrapment, like, that's for arresting somebody. But the dogs aren't arresting people. They're bringing them in for, like, charges they've been, you know, they've already been sentenced for and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Like, I verified know. it's time to bring them in regardless. Yeah, I mean, I might be confusing... Um, like how bounty hunting Old West style works versus modern bounty hunting, where it's mostly like taking up people that have taken out bail bonds and then fled those bonds. But still, yeah. like, I don't know. It seems different. The complex like, nature of bounty hunting is a mystery to man. Yeah, but like, I don't know. But like, we talked about entrapment. And for me, like, to my understanding, entrapment means that you're, yeah, you're an officer convincing of someone. Well, no, that, that you're convincing someone to commit a crime and then arresting uh, them for I, that crime, uh, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, 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 but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But Big Bad Prue's already done a crime, so they're just grabbing her. You know, it's not really, I don't know. Like, they're trapping her, but it's not entrapment in the way that where, like, Catherine Zeta-Jones and uh, Sean Connery are hanging out or whatever. Um, anyway. <laughs> that's a, That's fantastic. <laughs> Let my movie reference hang. All right. Um, Scully's brought into a back room. Anyway. Always. And Middenface pulls a gun on him, but uh, Scully pulls a spring load, which is kind of this Derringer thing from his sleeve, and blasts Middenface, leaving Alpha no choice but to shoot a hole in his gut. Hey, we always give him a chance. Scully dies, saying, I was protected. And the prosecutor says that Johnny always planned to skill to kill Scully. That these words are really setting me up for uh, for messing up the words, but uh, <laughs> but the the Strons argue that they'd have killed him right away if that was what they were planning, mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have had a chance to shoot Middenface, which seems reasonable, I think. Yeah, of course. I mean, Johnny always gives him a chance. Well, yeah, after that they roll the unless it's time for you know revenge. Then there's zero well, listen. I mean, he gave Max Bubba a chance previously, you know? Yep. Like, Bubba That's took fair. that chance and killed Wolf with it. So, at that mm. point, you're out of chances. That's <laughs> Shoulder the most extremely fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what you got. You got some blown off shoulders. Um, God. <laughs> so, the... Uh, the str- um, after all this, they roll their bounties to their mobile lockup, and we learn about another aspect of the plan, which is um, which the prosecutor says was cheating. <laughs> Basically, the Rammy begins, and a bunch of contestants are brought out, including several members of the Quasimodo gang. Which, man, come on. I'd like, yeah. come on. Gotta enter in. There's just one wrinkle here. Midfaces entered both him and Johnny into the Rammy as well. Well, hell, he doesn't want to lose that million creds they put up. Yeah, that way they can win it back as well and claim all these bounties. I, I'm, But they're also getting out on stage and someone's going to notice them, I feel. 
like. You'd think so. They leave their weapons and disguises behind and run out as... From the pit of hell, the beastly boys. Oh, oh. <laughs> Next time, whammy rammy. It's good. It's good. Yeah, this is, um, it's so funny how much, like, the tone of Strontium Dog can change from story to story, you know? I, right from, like, like, dour to fucking, like, Looney Tunes in some cases. Yeah. Like, this one's just a lot of fun, and it's such a funny, like, I don't know, comparison to Rage or something like that. I mean, Rage especially, I guess. Yeah. But even, like, just sort of two chums hanging out, beating people up is is pretty different from even, like, Bitch or something, where, like, there's that oh, yeah. sexual tension between Johnny and Red, and you just have Reagan in there for, like, uh, like, uh... Comedic to be a, a comedic element, I should say. Yeah. I mean, Alpha's kind of in this way defined by his co-pilot, right? Like when he's yeah. alone, he's a lot more stoic these days, um, as we saw with the Froggets and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I definitely you you know what you're in for when Middenface like kind of bursts into the room and it's like, hey, we're going on an adventure. You're like, oh, sweet, <laughs> right? Let's 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 have a raucous. Absolutely, totally, yeah, man. These are fun. I like these a lot. Mm-hmm. And speaking of exciting ongoing stories, yes. thrill to Judge Dread. Fuck yeah, man! Chopper for Oz. Oh, Chopper for Oz, buddy. Uh, script by John Wagner, Alan Grant, art robots Gary Leach, Will Simpson, and Dave Elliott as Bayer Spud, uh, Kay Edwards, and Brent Brendan McCarthy and Will Simpson. Letting about Tom Frame. Go chop, don't stop. Mm. Escaped Sky Surfer Chopper waits on the western wall of Mega City One. He circles, gaining height. Then he makes a break. I love this. Uh, these first two pages, by the way, the art and the coloring is fucking fantastic. It's Just beautiful. the way that he's like in a holding pattern above the city, and then sort of hiding mm. among the buildings, talking to citizens as they come look out their windows and see him and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, the stark reds and purples. It's just really great. Definitely. He makes his run. The cameras pick him up and defense lasers traverse and fire. The sky is alight with their beams and Chopper gets hit in the shoulder. Uh, but luckily it's just a burn, I guess. Just a, sl- a slight burn, I guess. He he dives and hides among traffic. Um, the um, And soon he's through the wall, speeding through the ravaged landscape of the cursed earth. The judges send pursuit pods but don't find anything. Chopper's hiding beneath a rock. Uh, Dread gets the info at, as he arrests Chopper's buddy's Chopper's buddy Flip from last episode. After an hour of waiting and sandwich eating, <laughs> Chopper heads out. It's sixteen thousand Ks to Oz Fuck. and Super Surf Ten. Hope he brought his batteries. Seriously, we'll see. Actually, they probably hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> or hasn't brought enough of them. Mm. Dred's walking out a cuffed Flip when a reporter catches up to him. Flip spills that Chopper is headed to Oz to beat Jug McKenzie. Dred confirms this and says there's no efforts being made to stop Chopper. He'll die in the cursed earth. There's no point spending resources resources to catch him. I really want to just pin this for a moment and and like just say, count how many times he specifically is just like, nah, don't worry about it. I really mm-hmm. feel like, you know, he may have been a bit purposeful with his release. I think it's, um yeah, I think there's some interesting points to be made. I think we should definitely, like, once we kind of get a sense of this whole story, for sure, mm. I think we should, like, th- this is definitely a point to come back to. For sure. Um, naturally, the image of a lone surfer heading out on his own catches the public imagination. 
in the air, choppers flying high, looking down on mutant settlements from a chilly 10,000 feet up. But he doesn't dare just stop. all over his face. Yeah. The next day, he swaps out a power cell and so- stops eating another sandwich when suddenly giant bony hands erupt from the Whoa. earth and attack him. Terrifying. Real gross. Real scary. Chopper barely escapes with his board and his stuff. He'll have to be more careful about things going forward. Oh, God. He has no idea. <laughs> yeah. Soon he's passing Pharaoh's kingdom near Memphis, where, where, where yeah. Dread went during the, the Judge Child saga. It's a little wink, bit of continuity wink. here. Definitely. And reports of the Lone Surfer are pouring into the MC1 media. When news that he's reached Memphis comes in, the whole city cheers. Go, Chop! Don't stop! Awesome. Chopper dodges gunfire over the Tulsa Flats as he mm. avoids Texas City. He sleeps floating in the air, safe from danger. Soon, he's over the Rio Grande and into Mech's zone. He's free from the judges for now. Chopper for us! Hell yeah, baby. And in comes, like, I feel like this next prog, I have some mixed feelings about it. However, I will <laughs> mention the nipples really caught me off guard. Oh, I noticed those too. That was, really, that was really uncomfortable. <laughs> Chopper's headed through mech zone and passes what he thinks are condors, but are actually mutant birdman banditos. They've got mustaches, Oof. crab claw feet, stereotypical accents, and possibly nipples. I don't know, man. Uh, whatever. It really <laughs> feels like nips. Like six I do nipples. Know, what I do know, Fox, is they don't need no stinking budgies. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's enough. Uh, Chopper's under attack and his cord gets cut as Diablo, the biggest of the Birdman, Birdman carries Chopper back to his nest. The baby birds go to eat him when Chopper grabs a giant rib bone and uses it to attack the chicks and then smash Diablo. I mean, there is like just such an intense gore scene coming up where I like it blew my mind that they left it in and it was awesome. It's always good. It's black and white and not against a human, so you can be pretty gory, in, as I understand how these comic codes go, basically. Um, Chopper jumps from the nest, regains his board, and blasts straight through one of Diablo's wings, cutting it right off in a massive shower of gore. Now, for, and, uh, and, and Diablo falls to his death, of course, wing lost. Now forewarned, Chopper escapes the attackers, and back in Mega City 1, the judges are getting reports of Chopper's continued travels. Dread isn't concerned, though. Even if Chopper dies and everyone is pissed because of it, because <laughs> more of the same for Mega City One. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chopper's coming out of the mountains and has reached the Pacific. Five Ks down, eleven more to go. Whoosh. <laughs> uh, so I, we I, see. I'm Cho- just terrified yeah. of uh, like I'm ter- like it's a long way to go the for sure. Ocean. <laughs> yeah. Chopper sleeps on the beach, not noticing when a bunch of baby sea turtles hatch beneath him and make their way to the surf, avoiding crabs along the way. It's very nature documentary, you know, just as they all get eaten up by predators and stuff. Chopper plans the next leg of his journey. The next land is 2,000 kilometers away, and he's on his last power cell, which frankly seems like a problem, Fox. Uh, Um, Yeah. But he weighs his options. What can he do? Head back to the Meg and get arrested? Get Mm. killed in the cursed earth? Uh-uh. If he tried to go elsewhere, like to Mega City 2 to get some more power cells, they'd probably arrest him there as well. Like, the only option is the ocean, and eventually Fuck. Oz. Fuck that. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, he's on his last power cell. He's just eaten his last sandwich. Like, he's only a, a third of the way there. Like, you got to rethink this one, buddy. You got to figure re- something out. I really, I really agree. He throws the turtle back into the ocean, and symbolically, it gets destroyed by a giant fish. <laughs> Indeed. It's basically saying, like, listen, you can have all the hope in the world you want, baby turtle, but there's some <laughs> serious crazy ass shit in the Pacific Ocean and Dreads world, you know? Oof. Oof. Um, anyway, you know... Back in the Big Meg, citizen, but but he does decide to go off. And back in the Big Meg, citizens' cheers, reports, re- reports of a lone surfer are reported off the Pacific coast. A citizen yells at dread that Chopper's going to make it, but in his enthusiasm, he stomps on his gas pedal and causes a huge car crash. Oh God, so Mega City One. Dread arrests him, and the purpose still defiant. Chopper for uh, Oz. Okay, I wouldn't that's... count on it, says Dread. Creep's got a long way to go. <gasps> Mm. Hmm. Next time on Dread, enter the Judda. All right, I fucking loved it. I am so chopper for Oz. I am. I am excited. It's exciting. I love this. Yeah. This whole Dread epic has so far just been like punch after punch of just exciting. I, I love it's it. It's been really fun, man. Uh, uh, Chopper's a really cool character, so it's neat to just kind of spend some time with him and see him do kind of, her, you know, be on a heroic quest through the Cursed Earth and stuff mm. for sure. I think um, next week we will check in with Chopper, but we're actually going to s- start getting some more elements to this story that I think is going to okay. be really interesting and add an extra layer to it that will cause some co- other cool things to happen in the course of All it, right. for sure. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of cool things happening, but also maybe things coming to the end, which Chopper is definitely not, is <laughs> Thrill 3 Freaks. Oh, man. Remember how we woke up those things? and uh, Freaks is Ancient weird. aliens freak out. Yeah. <laughs> Script about Peter Milligan, art about John Higgins, letter about Jack Potter. Um, we open with the So What Club, which human Carl Wolf likes to go to. Meanwhile, a million miles and possibly years away on the planet Kakak, Wolf, beautiful alien lady Kilquo, and Mad General Stunnel are confronted by a pair of a be- of a beings that have warped in. They identify them. They identify all three's races, as well as that of the dear departed Cuddles that died pulling the lever to summon them last episode. Jeez. Oh, these aliens clearly advanced what with their telekinetics and mastery of English explain that they are from a mo- from the most advanced race of all time hmm. and the builder of the gate that started this whole mess. I feel like any race of- that says they're the most advanced race is like, uh, that's such hubris. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't take their word for it, I would say. Mm. Um, there used to be three of them, but I guess the third guy was a jerk. I don't know. Anyway, Stunnel orders them to be attacked with the beings, just shoo them away with their <laughs> mental abilities and accuse Stunnel of killing the kind Dr. Kilgo. Which, you know, hey. Yeah. This leads to an argument between Stunnel and Wolf about whether the beings are advanced cacaques or advanced humans, and the beings explain they're all from the same family, but these beings are the ultimate version. Everybody else is just a, de- a degenerate freak. Oh, okay. And uh, let's not end this on any other sort of, like, hate speech rhetoric. Let's also uh, put in some torture, right? Well, I mean, first we learn that Carl has gotten his powers because his mind was suffocating oh, yeah. by being too near up other humans. 
you got to be on your own for a long time, then everybody gets sweet abilities. Anyway. Okay. Stunnel's not taking this being a freak stuff very well. and But suddenly, as he tries to attack, completely warps out slain style, Ugh. which is being done by the beings, and they're getting into a very weird, sadistic mood. So Carl and Kilquo act fast. Yeah, we got to get the <laughs> frick out. Yeah, they activate the portal and get back on the bus to Earth. Those beings might be advanced, but they're still mean jerks. And mm-hmm. in the end, as all sentient beings are, it would appear. Um, <laughs> they head back to Earth, messing with the portal coordinates, so it'll take them a long time to find Earth again. Carl's lost his powers, but hey, maybe Kilquo will, will develop some. Anyhow, Carl does seem to love her, and that's good enough. They Aww. walk into the into the So What Club, and it's silent for a moment. Then... The, str- the screams begin. Yeah. I mean, you know, he did say it doesn't matter what they think because he's in love I for a reason. We'll see. The end of Freaks. Uh, hey, it ended. There, and that yeah. was it? That, well, no, there's a sequel to Freaks. It's called Faces, but uh. that won't come out till October 2004. So don't Whoa. like, you know, put it on <laughs> your, on, on, oh on your list, you know. <laughs> That's so far from now. It's pretty far. Yeah. Um, All right. Meanwhile, Peter Milligan is about to start Bad Company 2 later this episode. Sweet. And uh, Higgins is going to be working on Dread, among other things, going forward. So, you know, we'll see these creators again and again. Yeah, boy. Yeah. And speaking of the never-ending cycle of progs and stories, Fox, we go to Non-Thrills, Covers, and Nerve Center. Man, what? There's just... Yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Great covers. (laughs) Great covers. (laughs) Definitely some fun ones here. Uh, Prague 547, Chopper's headed out into the cursed earth in its Cliff Robinson cover. In the nerve center, Tharg announces the end of Freaks and teases the start of Bad Company 2. Next, Prague is a picture of Zenith Gronk and Britsit <laughs> Law featuring a Judge Jones saying softly, softly, catchy perp, which I believe is a reference both to like British t- uh, crime TV shows. And I think both these characters were in the... um. Neil Gaiman authored Britsit short story that was in the uh, in the ADA dread, okay. uh, dread annual. So that's sort of you know a callback to that as well. Hmm. Uh, this one's drawn by uh, Boo Cook of Devon, who will go on to do a ton of comic art, including in 2000 AD, starting in Prague 1208. What? Awesome. Yeah. We are starting to see more and more sort of future, like 2000 AD art droids showing up doing these things. I, that's awesome. I know I've missed a bunch of them. But um, they definitely show up. Sweet. Letters include more pr- more slain pronunciations, questions about female judges, and possible liars in previous letter pages. Whoa, liars. Yeah. Shakes fist. Mid-prog, there's a contest for Rubik's Magic, a sequel to The Cube, which is about arranging squares on a multi-paneled plane. It looks pretty complicated. Okay. Midprog is a big ad for Supernaturals, which I believe oh, yeah. are these toys that have like hologram stickers inside them, basically. Mm. So it's an action figure that looks like it's wearing a robe, and then it's like a 3D ghost hologram in there, or like a, a snake dude with a sweet hologram cobra shield. They really remind me of the of the Visionaries toys of my youth that I oh, remember yeah. those Fox. Um, like all toys in this era in England, there's an associated comic. This one ran only about nine issues. I think in a previous prog, like maybe last episode, there was a preview version of it, but that wasn't included in our scan. And okay. Later, there's an ad for Bad Company 2 and some fireworks t- tips because it's once again Guy Fawkes Night. Yeah. Don't blow up yourselves. 
You are, you are my boss, buddy. Um, uh, once again, uh, fireworks tips are the burning cross code, which I think is pretty funny. Uh. Whatever. Um, <laughs> God. 548, once what once was a bad dream, now comes the nightmare. Bad this Company is the 2. One. Yeah, arrives in this cool Brett Ewan's cover. Love it. It's sort of a sequel to that bad, to that uh, back cover we saw a few issues back. With like where where there were a bunch of cruel killing humans, now it's sort of uh, Ghost Kano killing a whole bunch of cruel. You know, I call it um, Ninja Gun Assassin Warrior yeah. Warrior Priest or some shit. Like those <laughs> like hats. It, it really feels good. Yeah, mid prog. There's a big ad for the Fleetway annuals, including the 2000 AD and Dread ones, as well as Eagle Buster Oink Gunny Gummy Bears and Wuzzles. A lot of the uh, cho- toys of Conrad's youth getting annuals here, <laughs> toys and cartoons. Um, only a half size nerve center this week, um, and deep in the prog, we're greeted by a Be- Beetlejuice boss cat. That's so weird. That- yeah, I mean, I will say this is a little England Britain thing because in America they call this guy Top Cat instead of t- Boss yeah. Cat. Otherwise, well, same deal. I always thought like Top Cat and Heathcliff were kind of the discount Garfields of their well of mm. my youth anyway. Yeah, you know? no, that's reasonable. That's a reasonable assumption. Yeah, um, we learn that we're trying to start Bad Company, um, th- and, and and we're trying to start Bad Company right. There's a single letter about thrill, power, overload, wild drinking tea. So be careful out there. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> in Prog 549, Zenith's in a rough spot, and this covered by old buddy Dave Gibbons. He hasn't been in the Prog since Tharg's Head, and then Chrono Cops in a 310 before that. And this is his last work in 2000 AD until 1280, and his last cover until 1387. It's just, you know, Jeez. old home week. Dave Gibbons coming back. Um, in the, the nerve center is after Strontium Dog, and we learned that 2000 AD has cleaned up once again in the Eagle Awards. Ooh. The awards were held on September 5th in the UK Comic Art Convention. Like most years, the awards were split between British and American comics, with 2000 AD winning most of the British categories, including favorite comic character, writer, villain, and comic cover and album. Meanwhile, Damn. the American section's full of Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns, with Alan yeah, Moore getting best writer on both sides of the pond. Yeah, you know. Damn. Big Alan Moore period right now. There are pictures of Judge Hamster and a sleepy rogue torpor. <laughs> letters oh, asking about some inconsistencies with Jupiterian 2080 delivery, Tharg's age, and if Stan Lee had ninja training. And listen, man, I know it's 1987, but not everybody that can do martial arts is a ninja. Yeah, come on, get woke. Yeah, Tharg addresses this, saying that Death Fist trained in China, not Japan, and that oh. Tharg was his seafood. Ooh, and clever, clever. They knew they knew the word for master. Yeah, you know, you watch enough kung fu movies, you're gonna pick that up for sure. Boom. Or no, that is correct. I guess specifically not kung fu movies. Um, well, I think that's Japanese, but no, man, wait, no, kung, wait, fu? No, kung, kung fu, kung fu is Wushu, Chinese, baby. Right. Boom. Mixing up with karate, I guess. Anyway, yeah. Prog 550, join us on Mutant Hospital, where Strontium oh Doc, God. where Strontium Doc says, "Time for your shots, Mister Scully." I feel murder and mayhem <laughs> covered by a scare here. Good times. I feel like that line alone would have been the course for murder. <laughs> it's time for your I, shots. That's so good. I didn't mention before, but I love Johnny Alpha's uh, cool disguise shades here. You know, very, mm. uh, very subtle. 
In the Nerve Center, Tharg teases some upcoming Zenith content. There's a very cool picture of Judge Steele, completely sweet gauntlets by Gordon Climes, who's going to go on to do a whole bunch of, uh, or probably, maybe even has, but definitely will mm. do a bunch of uh, 2000 AD, like just guest art. And there's Tharg the Yuppie by another future creative droid, Simon Fraser, who will cool. go on to draw Nikolai Dante, Dante, which is a story we haven't covered yet that I'm most excited for, I think, coming in 1997. So just 10, year, 10 prog years to go, Fox. Oh, God. Um, All right. Letters... Letters chastise Shadwell Reese for being a stereotype, which I myself did last time and apologize for. And others identify Universal Soldier as being hugely based on the Donovan song Universal Soldier, which I'm positive I've been chastised for for not knowing at the time this episode <laughs> comes out. I'm positive right. I've got I've, well, at least one person has told me about this. And I, I knew. I know now. I didn't know then. What's, what's to be done? Uh, <laughs> The, the final letter asks why Tharg avoids answering questions, and that question is not answered. <laughs> Good, Good times. Midprog, there's the start of a new column called Flicks by John Brosnan, mm. who is an Australian who has written nonfiction books about not, about movies and a bunch of sci-fi novels, mostly under pseudonyms. And he'll go on to write uh, Night Zero, the, the thrill, in about 60 uh, progs. And this is a, a monthly film column, mostly about just whatever is going on with new releases and things like that. Mm. Though this time, it's mostly about the concept of a Star Wars sequel trilogy. Like, okay, again, don't hold your breath. Yeah. Uh, and also shading the concept of a Highlander sequel and a recommendation for the movie Inner Space with Martin Short and Dennis Quaid. Yeah, okay. Not bad. Yeah, good times. And speaking of traveling through strange spaces, Fox. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. Thrill. Ah, oh, my God. I lost the voice. This podcast is From over. From the top. No. Thrill 4, Nemesis the Warlock. Nemesis, the long-necked chicken, weird tentacle face. Ah, I love this art. It's so Listen, bizarre. John Hickleton's gonna freak your ass out, buddy. Well, right? I mean, I and this is casting casting no uh, shade at at previous artists who have tried to take the Kevin O'Neill mantle and run with it. This one, mm-hmm. I feel like, without copying the style, does good work. I mean, like it's up there with it. You know what I mean? Body I'm horror happy with and most bizarre. Nemesis orders. Oh, with, I, with most. Nemesis artists, I gotta Com- say, although Hinkley's like, I, I, I love how they all have their own distinct flavors, you know, mm-hmm. like Talbot kind of comes one way, O'Neill d- does another, and then Hinklinton's this whole third direction that's just, you know, oh, will so, freak you out. <laughs> it's so good. Scripted by Pat Mills, art by John Hinklinton, letting about Steve Potter. So, Fox Nemesis the Warlock, he's on the hunt for his son Thoth, they missed him killing Robespierre, Peter the Hermit, and even Hitler. The trail is cold, but it only makes sense he'll eventually come here to kill the first Torquemada. So now Nemesis the Warlock and his human retainer wait. It's tough, though, because they're watching the crimes of Torquemada take place in real time. And Purity's not, and Purity Brown's not pleased about it. She weeps to, he, um, to yeah. hear their screams. I mean, he's really I mean, setting himself up to feel more like a villain often. <laughs> like, pretty often. Yeah. I mean, she's almost as angry with Nemesis' inaction as she is with Torquemada himself. Mm-hmm. This leads to a fight. She attacks Nemesis, or she goes to attack Torquemada, and Nemesis stops her. And, and in that split second, Torquemada notices them, and Nemesis lets his guard drop and sees them as real. Ooh. 
Also seeing them in their true forms is Torquemada in the future. And the two Torquemadas at once scream, It's Basil Bob himself! Oh, it's nuts. <laughs> uh, past Torquemada calls the guards on them. They have to fight their way out. As gross as Nemesis looks here, there <laughs> are some shots where purity looks pretty fine, if I can be gross for a moment. Oh, no. Um, I mean, like, murder chick. She is a she is empowered and weirdly like BDSM'd for the time. I mean, she's oh, yeah. clearly got her own aesthetic that she's into. Definitely. Soon they're away and they'll need new disguises, and that means Purity needs a new outfit. So and they she gotta go. like does this centerfold like I don't know, man. Like clearly yeah. someone's having fun drawing this. <laughs> yeah, she just full on vamps here in a way that mm. I think Torquemada will do later when he's chained to the chair and stuff like that. You know? Oh, I mean. <laughs> No one, no one escapes uh, the sort of depths of uh, of Hickleton's just obsession. <laughs> uh, yeah, with something. Say. Yeah. Anyhow, the, she needs a new outfits. So they got to go to Gonzalo de Goa, supplier of cod pieces to the Dons. If you see El Cid, I, tell him. Woo, cod piece time. I mean, yeah. If there's anyone who's gonna fashion you to look, I I, I assume like a man. <laughs> Something, yeah. Uh, the codpiece salesman seems very handsy, and he's trying to upsell the new galleon style of codpiece. Our heroes shy away from him, definitely as part of the, um, uh, partly to hide the fact that that purity is, is pretending to be a man here. As Nemesis sh- uh, chases off the salesman outside, they see a procession of the dead, people accused Ugh. and convicted of heresy after they've died, exhumed from their graves, and burned. I mean, gross. Just, like, Mo- fucking disgusting. Yeah. And mostly, we learn confidentially, so that the uh, government can seize their, their money from their estate by the, you know, to in- in- enrich themselves. I mean, you know, you're never gonna... You wouldn't stop at just burning the corpses, you know? There's cash to be had. Always. Children have to inform on parents, as you do, and you gotta denounce the corpses or face punishment. Ugh. Again, Hinklinton's just doing crazy work here, making the uh, the perpetrators of this stuff look monstrous and scary. That really disgusting, and just pocked in like these giant toothy grins. Ah. Yeah, really gross teeth as well. Meanwhile, in Termite, our Torquemada is pleased to know that um, he shares a soul with the original Torquemada, and if the warlock is there, he might as well head down as well to meet his past self and set up a trap to catch the warlock and his gross-ass son. (laughs) The final act of cleansing will take place! Also, something to notice here, Fox, is that Torquemada has this gross, like, wound on his nose. Like, basically making his nasal cavities open to the air. Um, This is like... This is a defining character feature for Torquemada as oh. drawn by Inklinton. Uh. He loves drawing. Like, just what he does with this nose thing is real continuing. And, man, really freaks me out, um, despite no being, doubt. or maybe because it's a signature going forward. It's really gross. Yeah. So, Torquemada has arrived in Spain. He's got a book called The uh, Consinius Termites Guide to 15th Century Spain. And I was interested to learn that Consinius is an actual word. Um, it means like to be neat or uh, or uh, or pure, basically, which I think is an interesting term. Like if I was writing science fiction, I'd use that as just the term of like when you go back in time to uh, <laughs> like dress correctly and fit in in that time yeah. period. That's not really what he does. Anyway, um, he leaves his vehicle, the auto de fe and troops behind and heads into Toledo on his own. 
none of this was a good idea. No. <laughs> Spoilers. Well, yeah. Near Inquisition HQ, he grabs a kid and throws him into the street right in front of a cart driven by Nemesis Impurity. Ugh. After some brief convincing, Nemesis agrees to save I mean, the kid. I mean, really? Just like zero? <laughs> and then he hams it up by making it kind of look like a miracle? Yeah. He levitates the cart and horse over them. And again, I, like, I can't stop talking about Hank Clinton's art in this story. The way he draws oh, this horse especially is like a beast yeah. out of nightmare. It's pretty cool. I, everything's horrific. Definitely. Trucamata's not impressed by all this, and he kicks his way through various crippled children Ugh. and arrives at the Casa Santa, the HQ of the Inquisition. And his neck just looking disgusting. Yeah, he asks to see Torquemada and says, he is Torquemada. And his mm. head just, neck just turns in like a full curve, which is real crazy. Ah. Uh. Never um, meet your heroes, our, kids. No. <laughs> our Torquemada is brought into a hearing room in front of a bunch of, of priests. And at this point, uh, we get Torquemada's um, history, like Inquisition lessons <laughs> begins. They make him wait as Torquemada begins his or finishes his paperwork. Then listens kindly as Torquemada 2 begins to explain that he's Torquemada from the future to stop a plot against the two of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Tor- Torquemada, or Tukamada, as I've been calling him, <laughs> is recapping the plot of the comics to the Inquisition, um, along with various science facts, including the Earth's roundness and that he himself is a god, the force Oof. of order against Nemesis' chaos, force made flesh. I mean, obviously, this will work on people who are anti heretical. Indeed. Know? Just hearing these sins is freaking out Torquemada 1, or 1 Kamada, as I've been calling oh. him. So. <laughs> They lead Tukumata to the torture chamber, letting him see people being strung up by their thumbs and whipped and other stuff as Tu looks on appreciatively. And they then take him to a chair where Tu is strapped down. He complains that he's in, he's not seeing any cool tortures like eye gougers or spine rollers. And I think mm. actually a lot of those were ones that were just made up like for fun in like the 19th century or something uh, like that. Just like, for fun, huh? Well, I think a lot of, like, what we think of as, like, the classical medieval tortures weren't actually used. Like, I know, like, the Iron Maiden was was mostly just, like, a parlor installation in Victorian England, as opposed to something that was actually ever used Did on somebody, just scare the instance. fuck out of people or something? Anyway. Yeah, like, man. Fuck everybody's that real, thing. People get real grim, dude. Like, that's just how it goes. You got I prosperity, guess. so people think about death and get real grim. You know, <laughs> we've all had our goth phases, whatever. Oh. Um, anyway. <laughs> Um, that they strap him down to this chair and use a big metal U oh. across his long ass and neck. Oh. He has fat applied to his feet, which are then roasted. And as this happens, Tukamata realizes that maybe, just maybe, see, si, senor, he's being tortured for his various heresies. A country could be excommunicated for the crimes he's admitted, oh he's admitted to. But one Kamada must know them all and preserve them for prosperity, plumb and plumb the depths of his wickedness. Wow. At this point, we see there's also a very visible corkscrew built into the bottom of this <laughs> oh, chair. Oh, yeah, no, I know. And that's very disturbing. <laughs> we, could, we could just brush through that real quick. Thank you. Tukumata screams as the torture begins. Next time, yeah. descent into chaos. Fuck, man. I mean, it was a great nemesis and also a disgusting one and also i like it and also <laughs> yeah no it does a lot of the stuff that just really um like make you it makes you uncomfortable to read and i think that's actually a really high um like praise for this story that's just mm. you know 
that you know they're really embracing this new art style and doing crazy stuff with it. I, you know, I'm I'm super excited to see how we how how we're going forward here. It's gonna be real great. Yeah, man, it's fucking it's pretty it's pretty gross. I like I don't know. It's so it's back to being metal again, if that makes sense. It just happens oh, yeah. to be it just happens to be like death metal. <laughs> this yeah, I feel like Nemesis is always pretty metal, but yeah, this is like this is like real like black metal stuff going on. It's pretty oh, heavy yeah. now. And speaking of descending into chaos and dark gods rising, Fox. Ooh. 305 Zenith. Gift robot Grant Morrison, art robot Steve Yole, letter robot Mark King. Oh, man, it's time for a showdown in the yeah. fourth dimension. Some dimension. The press looks on as Mandala confronts Master Man, but if a light show is all he has, it's not enough. And he eye blasts Peter St. John, Master Man does. Luckily, it was all a trick. As Master Man exults in victory, St. John just makes fun of him. He was tricked by a telepathic illusion. Ooh. Just I mean, this like guy's this. awesome. Yeah. Suddenly, Master Man's in a world of saber-toothed tigers and stuff. <laughs> but hey, it won't last long, so, you know, do what you gotta do and kill that bastard. Yeah, St. John pleads with Zenith to kill Master Man now before he breaks control. But it's too late! Master Man is free! But, but not too late enough for a punch through the chest. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, time's also up as Zenith squares up and punches a hole right in Master Man's chest. He's dead. That'll do it. Yeah, but they've only killed the host body. They still have to deal with the deadly cloud of eyes and teeth behind them. Oh, shit. Oh, God. It's just gross and awesome. It's pretty cool. Master Man, or I guess just Ioxotot uh, here, is... <laughs> Is getting um is is going to get sweet slow revenge against Zenith and Mandala, pulling them both into another dimension to see the Elder One's true face. They Ooh. fold, screaming through hyperspace, a terrifying psychedelic trip until they find themselves in a strange new world. Zenith loses his lunch as Mandala meditates. He seems to have tapped into the consciousness of the ent- entity. He learned its name, Ixotat, but. Out, but out there are bigger, scarier ones like Hoshter or Shubnigarov. All that Glastonbury Festival stuff, you know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> but Mandal is learning more stuff. There's millions of worlds moving into alignment. A war that never ends. The Omnihedron! Mandal is losing it. Um, and weird clouds flow around them. And then a voice rings out. There you are, and I'm so very hungry. Then just like a million maws show up. Yeah, Xanath Mandala stand before a giant remora-like mouthful of teeth, uh-huh. and Xanath is tossed around psychically like it's nothing. It wouldn't be enough to kill them. It's going to be a thousand years in the agony hives and stuff like that. <laughs> Any last words? Yes, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Two, in fact. <laughs> Peter St. John has two last words because when Master Man came into his office to intimidate him earlier, St. John implanted a powerful telepathic signal into his head. Smart thinking, Bill and Ted. Yeah, set that up in the past. If he says two words, Ixotot's brain will erupt in a catastrophic epileptic seizure. Those words? Tiger, tiger. The world explodes as the Ligor's body is racked and pulls itself apart, and the two super beings are sent blasting back to reality, where it's raining and they're surrounded by soldiers. 
St. John just dusts himself off and walks past them. He has so work to sick. do. And as he goes, we get a sweet look at his sweet power mullet, which is pretty awesome. Cool as guys don't Zenith... look at temporal explosions. Nope. Just walk away. And Zenith <laughs> chuckles. The war's over. <laughs> at a cemetery in Wales, a priest reads, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night by Dylan Thomas, hmm. as figures look on from a distance and then disappear. Just seeding future stuff. Ruby Fox really? tries to patch things up with uh, Peter St. John, but Peter says he did all of this for votes and PR. The which, past holy is dead, shit. just like Shadwell, which is I pretty think, rough. Damn. The guy is, I yeah, anyway, saving comments for the end of this. I mean, he's done heroic things, but he's still a jerk, for sure. Meanwhile, Zenith is there and asks if Ruby will finally tell him about his parents, but she demures and goes on holiday instead. Mm-hmm. Later, and we're sort of flashing around here a little bit, um... Because in July of 87, I think, uh, or maybe it's you, I'm sorry, but St. John wins re-election in a landslide as part of a landslide Tory victory with allegations that the Masterman fight was the biggest piece of Tory propaganda since the Falklands. Wow. Um, Watching the news, St. John gets a call and is offered a defense post in Thatcher's cabinet, and he agrees as his powers go nuts. Yeah. Okay. He's a bit evil. (laughs) Definitely. Later, Zenith is partying, and we learn that his singles and album are both number one on the back of these fights. But his agent, Eddie, is just sort of comp- com- contemplative, because now we have to think th- think of a follow-up. <laughs> Two weeks later in Berlin, Fraulein Haas, the woman who helped wake up Masterman at the start of this story, walks through a rainy afternoon into a movie theater. A man sits behind her, identifying her by name, and says the Order of the Black Sun are most upset by her mishandling of the Masterman affair. He also conveys his sympathy for her tragic death via (laughs) the bomb he just put in her pocket. Ah, snap. And as he walks away from that explosion, not looking back, he's a cool guy. Yeah, he leaves just as she, and she has just enough time to pull the bomb out of her pocket and see it's counting down, and then it explodes. Snap. The end of Zenith Part 1, or Phase 1, I should say. This is awesome, man, but it definitely, uh, I mean, it has that sort of Watchmen flair if you want to kind of do this comparison thing. But what I really, so there are a couple things I like. First, obviously, some some very, not ham-fisted necessarily, but they they definitely have something to say about, you know, uh, the politics of the time. (laughs) Sure. Even in an alternate future. And man fourth dimensional super monsters cosmic slash dimensional warfare pretty sweet i like yeah. this a lot man it felt it, it for a superhero uh you know comic definitely not not the normal conventional if that makes sense yeah i mean i mean also I, to me it's different from watchmen just because watchmen sort of ends with this definite end of like um mm. you know some sort of complicated deal involving a squid monster ends war, all war basically. That's, sure. that's the concept. Um, whereas I think Zenith has a much darker view on things that people can come together and fight this big threat, but they're still, um, you know, jerk Tories basically. <laughs> something along those lines. Shots um, fired. You know, it's still like as much as as much as Zenith saved the world, it's still just, you know, gotten him a number one album for one cycle. You know, they'll have to think of something else for the next album, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I'll, 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 I'll let you know, Fox, that Zenith will return for a brief interlude in January of 1988 and then will cool. return for the real deal in August of that year. Awesome. 
I'm excited to see what's up. Yeah, should be good. There's going to be some interesting new wrinkles to this story for sure. Also a big mm-hmm. thing in, I believe, the sci-fi special of next year. That's going to be a big thing to check out. You know, th- like, okay. as we saw in this, in this, there are a lot of seeds planted for future Zeniths, whether it's about his parents or just more stuff about what the Elder Gods are planning and stuff like that. You know, mm. it's definitely going to be working on this as we go forward. Love it. And as one story ends, another begins as we go to Thrill 6, Bad Company. Just right out the gate. <laughs> it's time to murder some humans. Yeah. <laughs> Script about Peter Milligan, art about Brent, Brett Ewens and Jim McCarthy, letter about Tom Frame. And this is Bad Company 2, subtitled Bewilderness, just so you know. Okay. The story opens with Free Earth Evangelical Radio broadcast with the children of the human diaspora. It's been mm-hmm. t- it's two years from when Ararat was destroyed and a year after Earth shared its same fate. The radio calls for faith and prayer as cruel warriors blast away at humans and are in return blasted by a cloaked figure and kind of a conical hat looking thing. Which I mean, like as soon as I saw this, I kind of figured out who. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's pretty clearly Kano. I think we can all kind of guess yeah. that. I'm Just trying not that to say that off right as now. I can. Yeah. Meanwhile. Danny Franks, Mac, and Mad Tommy are are arriving on a new planet as Tommy waxes philosophical about the souls of planets because I guess Mad Tommy is better, but he's still pretty mad, to be quite I honest. Guess. I will say, Fox, something I learned after we did our Bad Company fo- um, coverage mm-hmm. is that the name Danny Franks... Okay. Um, Think about a female name, a female with a similar last... with, with, with a rhyming first name and a similar last name who also had a, a diary. Ah, uh, uh, okay, I get you. All right. And Frank, buddy, think about it. <laughs> okay, okay. Also, a lot of the close-ups, especially in Bad Company 1, were sort of like these close-ups of either Brett, Mc- um, Brett Ewens' friends or like jazz legends and stuff like that, which, oh, is both, which is also kind of interesting. I, I wish I'd known that at the time. I sort of <laughs> learned about it as, like, after we recorded what we said, and I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, got to go back to this. Um, anyway. The uh, the company has a, or our buddies have arrived on the planet Flow My Tears. Apparently, all the Earth Colony planets have these weird names. This one a reference to a Thomas Pynchon book, uh, Flow My Tears. The policeman said, "Apparently, Bad Company has this have this big reputation, and they blast through formalities to meet with the with Cyclops Honda, the leader of the Earth Resistance Army. A great name." Yeah, still fighting the cruel among the ghetto planets where humanity now res- now resides. Honda wants Franks to reform Bad Company and destroy a strange beast that w- that's wandering the stars, killing humans and cruel indiscriminately. Then start working as a badass military group like Bad Company of old, operating hey. behind enemy lines, blowing shit up. Sure, but not before I tell you that everything's fucked. Yeah, Danny basically says all this is lo- all this is useless no matter what they do. Humanity has like maybe one or two generations left until they all just die out. But he'll still fight. He guesses. Yeah. You know. I mean, we got to move this plot along, right? Yeah. I mean, at, at this point, fighting's all he knows, and he might as well just kill some guys as in, in, in the name of vengeance. Yeah, sure. Feels good. Yeah. Meanwhile, this mysterious figure uh, comes to, looks at the bodies of those they've killed, seems confused by this. They head out accompanied by a strange naked pixie thing that the figure talks to, but it doesn't respond. Meanwhile, Cyclops is telling them that the beast was last spotted on Give Me Strength, and they should start there first. 
But before they do that, they've got a new squad member, a protoid, this big fat alien monster with a symbiotic spacecraft capable of avoiding cruel detection. Seems very, very useful. Indeed. The protoid can also change shape, and in fact, this whole time they've been talking to the protoid and not the real Major Han- Major Honda. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> we uh, join Danny's new diary as he tries to quote Churchill, but forgot, but has forgotten the name. <laughs> Meanwhile, Danny's a real jerk to squadmate Mac as they head out to yeah. get their new member, De Rancine, one of the elite. Yeah, like th- there's been a lot of piling on of Mac, I, I should say, to the course yeah, it's, of uh, it's a book very two, bizarre. Which I don't really like that much, I must say. Mm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. They find Darian's scene in a Kano cult club, of which, a bar where, where every one, three Ks, not cool. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a bar where everybody cosplays as Kano. I mean, if that's what you're into, you know. And like all group of cosplayers, their costumes vary wildly in terms of quality. Just FYI. (laughs) Um, Meanwhile, a figure approaches the Give Me Strength spacecraft pound where a functionary is denying a man the use of his own ship. Suddenly, a figure falls over him. A shadow falls over him and his eyes bug out. The uh, functionary is then explaining himself to a a cool boss lady with a shaved head and a forehead tattoo. He allowed the ship to be stolen because the guy who stole it was Kano, man. I'm, yeah, dude, I'm not going to say no to that guy. He kills things. The lady is unimpressed, and the functionary is docked one limb as punishment. Oh, fuck. Meanwhile, a ship lands on an ice planet full of cruel, and a figure steps out of the ship with a rifle. At the Kano Club, the company reflects that Kano would have hated this place, and Danny, you know, has a big Danny Franks moment about the nature of messiahs and the concept uh. of waiting for them to come and stuff. When, finally, they spot their new member, Dayran C. I, I like this guy, to be clear. <laughs> yeah, he's a slim cyber dude with an eye panel and forehead bolts, and when some Kanos hassle him for being an elite... <laughs> He shoots them with a dart gun in his tongue. Like, what? But all right, you know. Another guy scratches him across the face and then dies instantly because his blood is poisonous. Yeah, man. It can kill anybody except him. Pretty great. Yeah. Danny tries to recruit him, and Darren Scene refuses until the protoid reveals himself, and then he agrees on the condition that at the end of the mission, he can kill the alien. I mean, you'd have to try. But yeah, I mean, everybody seems amicable to this request. Yeah, Mac isn't stoked by the new members of the team as Mad Tommy just shoots the place up looking for a drink. (laughs) Meanwhile, the figure now, again, clearly Kano, is coming out of a a delirious haze, standing in front of a pile of dead cruel. Which, hey, you know, that's what he does best. Definitely. He feels that he's changing, becoming less human, and that somehow the cruel are changing as well. He worries that his madness is leaking out, infecting everything. So we then cut to the story of Bad Company, a once upon a time tale, how it was once led by a man who had everything taken from him but his hatred, and now he's probably dead, insane, or both. On a human colony. Yeah, dead dead and insane. That's the worst combination. (laughs) (laughs) On a human colony on the same planet, Kano runs in, and as the locals grab their guns, he's upon them. Blasting away as that same storyteller talks about the founding of the new bad company. And the team heads to their ship, and Dare is seen and the protoid bicker. Pushed to violence, Darantine oh rips his own arm God. off from his shoulder, and then he uses it like a rifle until it's Danny tells him to chill out. He's got an arm gun! Ugh, God, but it's coming out from, like, the shoulder, you yeah. know? 
from the stump of his arm. Yeah. Listen, Fox, I've heard about small arms, but this is ridiculous. Oh. No. <laughs> the right to bear arms. No. Oh. Meanwhile, Kano is coming to... Re- uh, Realizing once more what he's done, he decides to try to go into the wilderness to hide from both people and cruel. He must lose himself in his own bewilderness. Oh, they said the name of the thing. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a title. Uh, now the team is headed to the planet Miseray, which has three E's and two R's. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Sure. To recruit a new dude with a tall haircut and a shirt that says pain. And man, does he really live that pain lifestyle. <laughs> Definitely. He's called Rackman, and we get a chance to see the company fight, and they do look pretty cool, k- killing the hell out of a bunch of cruel. Hell yeah, man. Once things die down, we get Rackman's store. He was captured and sent to a cruel pleasure camp, where, of course, they mostly get their pleasure by torturing people. Sure. Seems to be their <laughs> just only pastime, so. It's true. They, um, he survived because he learned to like pain, to Ooh. chase it. He still does, even after escaping. And he keeps with him a Wheel of Fortune, a, which was used for a deadly uh, game of cruel roulette. Uh, it's a wheel full of spikes, like maybe large coin-sized. Half of them are full of deadly poison, or one side's deadly poison, the other half is not. He still uses it every day. He's used it every day for the last two months just to test his, like, metal or something. Yeah, I guess. It's just a 50-50 chance resets every day. Yeah. And before he'll join Bad Company, he requires Danny to take a prick as well. Seems to be completely unaffected. And Danny, I want to say, does not give a shit about this. He just grabs it and jams it into his arm. He doesn't think about it at all. Yeah, it's really intense. He doesn't care about dying, whatever. But he does end up coming out completely unharmed. Mm Mm-hmm. Darian's scene caused fire on all this, the impossibility of guessing right every time, and says it's probably a trick. Rackham challenges Darian's scene to prick himself with the opposite side of the wheel just to make sure, and we end this story with Darian's scene sweating bullets. Ooh. Next time on Bad Company 2 Bewilderness, the point. <laughs> Clever. Also, pretty good. It. Pretty good start to this like second round. Yeah, definitely. It sort of establishes, you know, we're two years later in this new situation, mm. like the the Earth destroyed and we're on these ghetto planets kind of things. Um, and yeah, just making, <coughs> excuse me, making like Cato the new villain, basically, or at yeah. least a new object of their yeah. quest, I guess. MacGuffin time. Might, yeah. Might be a better thing. Yeah. It, it, it's like a MacGuffin if the Maltese Falcon was also killing villages as they went <laughs> after it, you know? I mean, would it have made it a better movie? Who's to say? I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to at least give it a shot, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All yeah, right. Oh. Yeah, fun month, man. There's some cool stuff in here. Not a lot of filler, just a lot of getting the lead out. No, it's, it's, it was pretty fucking dense, but it, like with that density came thrill power. Definitely. And with that said, Fox, I must know something from you. Namely, top and bottom thrills, give them to me. Okay, so my scapegoat pick, which I may not stick to by the end of this sentence, uh, would be Freaks. Um, While it was only one episode in this, uh, and it was fine. It was very, Mm -hmm. like, it's got that hand-wavy ending to things where it's like, yeah, super people and, like, whatever, we're getting to the end of this thing. But it ended so sweet with, like, you know, he's into her, even though it was just such a short time knowing her. It was, you know, cute. 
but if I were to choose one that was, I, I guess, just like particular to actually having length to it, it's rough, man, because everything this month has been so gosh darn entertaining, right? Yeah. Um, if I had to, and you know, I'll, I'll definitely give it its its props in a moment. I would pick Bad Company, not not off of it being in any way bad, but just in terms of stack ranking. Because like mm-hmm. what I what I love about this is like everybody they've introduced and how they act. It feels as though like like we we even though it's two years later, it feels like we just left them. You know, yeah. and you definitely still feel the characters a little bit. I like the introduction of the new ones. I like sort of the plot it's not nearly as aimless as like kind of the first one where it's oh elite's bad and then also like this planet's gonna explode and like all this other shit so yeah it, it, it's got a good beginning um where i will treat bad company one as sort of the the progenerating story of this mm-hmm. um that said i mean you are in or we are sort of in the the thick of uh of you know oz we're really just like <sighs> zenith is just so good with its trans dimensional like yeah. awesome fights <laughs> nemesis is just uh, like as as mind bending as let's say zenith is this one is just visually and story wise like ridiculous and strontium dog man i laughed the whole fucking time like it was just super enjoyable to read the whole thing, but I got to give credit where credit's due, and I'm giving this one to JD. Old Judge oh, Dredd. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Chopper for Oz. And with nice. that, my man, I must ask you, kind sir, good sir, <laughs> bestow upon me the knowledge of your top and bottom thrills. All right. Oh, man, I agree. This is a pretty tough month. I was sort of looking over it, and there aren't really any stinkers. I think mm. I might I might say bad company as well, just because we're very much in the early stages of yeah. it. So we're just sort of in the, like, you know, getting the band together kind of action, or, or like, like period. And while I, I do really like that generally, like, I think I've gone on record as saying that my favorite thing is just a getting the crew together montage kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know... It is. I do think it's kind of weird just how like over the top and tough everybody, in, in, all the new guys are. You know, like oh, I'm an alien with a badass ship, and I hate everybody. Well, I'm an elite, and everything I do is a weapon, and I hate everybody too. Oh, well, I'm a pain boy, and I just like getting hurt, and I'm pain real boy. weird about it. You know, that's my thing. Hashtag you know. pain boy. Yeah, I don't know. It's like. It feels like it is trying a little hard to have kind of cool dudes be added to the team. Yeah, here, you know, I, I Which feel I feel you on that. Is fine. Like I don't. I certainly don't want to like be down on that. Like like yeah, add cool people to the team, man. I'm whatever. sure, but. In a situation where we are full of these really awesome stories, um, I do got to find something, and that's enough to hang my hat on. You know, it's a very small hook, but my <laughs> my bottom thrill hat is also quite small. Oh, oh, it's very it's a little cute little top hat. It's a tiny Come. hat that you wear under your bigger hat. Always got it, the backup hat. Um, for top thrill, ugh, um, ugh, I. I will say one thing I am really enjoying just in these specific thrills, I am really liking um, the one, the uh, like opposite sides of the comic basically punch of a Nemesis and Strontium Dog. Yeah. Like, honestly, I 
from my memory, I had forgotten how often there were attempts at humor in Strontium, or sorry, in, in Nemesis. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of jokes in this early part of the two Torquemadas, I... be it the, the, the codpiece salesman <laughs> or... Like the extended period where tor- where uh, Tukumata doesn't realize he's being tortured by the Spanish Inquisition and stuff like that. Like all of those are clearly meant to be like humorous elements, I think. But mostly what I'm getting out of Nemesis is this real serious, dour, body horror kind, yeah. of, kind of feel. You can you put know. as much comedy in there as you want. And sure, you get a chuckle, but also you're like, uh, uh, uh. It's also very dark comedy and like hard to Gross. notice, you know. But so I like having an explicitly like humorous, fun, mm. strontium dog story with like traditional artwork and stuff like that. Well-timed. Um, also in the comic, just because like one sort of counterbalances the other, you know. Um, I've said before this is uh, this is a consideration that I feel like is not a long term one in two thousand AD. <laughs> like they're gonna be less trying to do this as time goes by, or or mm. maybe the and they, and they not even be cognizant of what they're doing with it right now. But this is very much how it feels to me, I guess, just having yeah. these two those two thrills um, sort of balance each other out. Um, anyway. I love the end of Zenith, how it's not even really the main guy that sort of wins the story. It's the sort of other dude that sort of shows up. I think that's a very funny. And again, is just something that like adds to this concept of it not being your standard superhero story. Yeah. You know? Firm. Because like, cause the beats of Zenith are, are really weird, right? And just in terms of, of, of how they subvert things. Yeah. Because like, there's this long period where they're trying to redeem Shadwell in Wales and then he's instantly killed, right? Mm-hmm. Like Zenith doesn't really grow at all or change in this whole story. <laughs> you don't. No. No, like, he pretty much stays the same but has to kill somebody for the first time. Yeah, like that's the big thing. Like he has kind of a moment of heroism and after that gets his ass kicked until finally <laughs> the guy who saves the day shows up and distracts the boss one time enough for um, like Zenith Z- to get a punch in and then later just completely saves the day on his own, you know? Yeah, so exactly. I think it's an interesting thing to see in, in the development of this character and how 2000 AD is telling sort of a different kind of, of, of superhero story, you know? Mm. Um, and for my top, oh God, I've been talking about everything. Uh, for my top, I'm saying dread, man. We're solidarity this time. Yes. Like all this chopper stuff's real great. I really like, you know, like Oz, I think isn't, or is on a different, on a lower tier than some of the earlier mega epics, like, um, cursed earth or apocalypse war, I guess. But I'm really enjoying this so far. Just the continuation of stories that I've liked in this character of chopper, I'm really interested to see what you're what what you'll think, Fox, as we get further into it and we get some extra once we add some extra balls to this particular juggling act, if that makes All sense, right. you know. Okay. Like right now we got Chopper and Dread, but we're about to get some extra stuff, and I think that's gonna really add some new dimensions to this story. And Man, I'm excited. Really awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be Fuck yeah. Re- real great. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope everybody enjoyed the show. As always, you can find Space Spinner 2000 on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or our podcast site, spacespinner2000.com. Feel free to contact us, spacespinner2000 at gmail.com on the 2000 forums or on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages on Twitter. We're at Space Spinner 2K or everything else on Space Spinner 2000. 
We should be there, my friend. Yeah. And come back next time as we're nearing the end of 1987. Bad Company will be finally fully staffed and on the trail. Bradley's up to no good. Nemesis and Thought reunite. The Rammy concludes. And the judges will meet the Judda as Chopper heads out to sea. Ooh, sounds exciting, baby. Yeah. Also, I should say we just finished November. We're getting pretty close to the end of 1987. So if you, the listener, have picks for the 1987 spinnies, now is the time to start sending them in. We're looking for best art, writing, overall thrill, and favorite month of progs in 1987. Let us know who you think should win the Golden Frisbees. And until then, I'm Conrad, he's Fox, and we are Space Spinner 2000. Splendid!